welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and our guest today is Dr. David Clausen. He's a physiatrist based in Seattle with backgrounds in neurologic cancer, spine and sports rehabilitation, and pain management. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. DR, welcome to the show. Um, I'll introduce DR informally. Um, DR is a rehab doctor I've worked with for over 30 years, off and on at Swedish Hospital in Seattle. And um, we've never been able to work together in the same group, even though that was always my wish. And DR has a stunning amount of experience in rehab and has come into the chronic pain world over the last five years or so. Then my former nurse, Angela, and DR used to work together, and they actually carried the doc project on after I left. But what's evolved, which I'm excited about, which has been remarkable, and DR, I'm not blowing smoke here. I'm not trying to give you too many compliments, but DR is sort of an unusual guy in that I'm somebody who is scattered all over the planet, and DR just keeps digging and digging and digging. So he's done a remarkable job of digging into these silos of basic research information. We're starting, starting to bring them into clinical highlights. And DR has been a major part of three papers we've written on COVID, um, a preventative paper, the actual treatment of COVID, and also there's a long hauler syndrome almost being um, published. And it turned out that the concepts of COVID and chronic pain are sort of the same. But I want to talk to DR about today is about the basic premise of the human body under threat versus safety. And we we'll probably will send spend both of the podcasts on this episode because it's really a basic part of the entire way we approach chronic disease. And DR tends to go pretty deep, pretty fast. I'm going to try to keep him reined in here. He's a pretty smart guy. And what he's showing me is that there's really a common basis for all chronic disease, whether it's mental or physical. So welcome, DR. I'm excited. To, I've been meaning to talk to you for a while. And uh, here we are. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So where do we start? Well, you know, I always like to start in the mud um, okay. in kind of evolutionary single cell organisms and that type of thing. Um, but I think your desire was maybe to start up a little bit higher, more towards the autonomic nervous system. So I think that without getting too far down in the weeds and the mud, I would just say that, you know, fundamentally, we have to conceptualize um, some of the, you know, basics of, of life. Uh, the difference between being inorganic and being organic. And uh, so uh, to be uh, a life form, you have to have a boundary. And this plays out uh, not only in the primordial mud four billion years ago, but as well in, in humans today. Uh, and you have to have an internal metabolic system uh, that um, is able to you know, create structure, create energy, uh, and ultimately also to feed into a reproductive mechanism so life can be uh, perpetuated, you know, propagated. So, um, so that, that's kind of the fundamentals of life. But then the next piece of that is those um, organisms, whether we're talking about us or we're talking about bacteria and archaea four billion years ago, um, you know, they need a defense system. Uh, at some point, it became advantageous to gobble up other cells because they had done some of the 
um, organic structural work. It's more efficient to gobble up other cells than just grab inorganic uh, molecular material and assemble it all from, from scratch. So, so there became this competition sort of in the uh, environment and part of that was to be gobbled up by something else. So if you're being gobbled up, that other thing is a pathogen. Uh, and so we had to develop uh, defense strategies uh, to fend off those pathogens. Um, and some of them are, you know, an aggressive defense form uh, and uh, doing other things to create toxicity or destroy uh, the pathogen. Uh, but what was very fundamental four billion years ago was just avoidance behavior. And so that is just what, what behavior avoidance behavior. Right. And so we're already, you know, now we're already thinking of, in terms of fight and flight strategies to, to survive and reproduce and propagate the DNA. So, um, so that's just kind of a platform to, to then um, conceptualize that what, what happened over time as life got more complicated was it wasn't like this spontaneous big old life form that popped up. It was these cells that stacked next to each other. They adhered to each other. They started in colonies and eventually became uh, multicellular uh, organisms with, and then eventually specialization of cells. And so you had these multicellular organisms, then you started having organelles inside of the cells. So you had multicellular, multi-organelled organisms. And eventually, you know, about 700 to 500 million years ago, we started to see uh, things that were a little closer to, you know, human beings, which are, uh, you know, multi-organelled cells, multicellular uh, organisms moving on to being multiple organ systems with our organs having a lot of different specialization of which the brain is just one of those organs in one big system. So that that's kind of foundational just to think about from where we came and what we needed, you know, um, you know, 4 billion, 3.5 billion years ago to sustain life. We needed a boundary, we needed metabolism, we needed a mechanism for reproduction. And ultimately, um, you know, living in symbiosis wasn't always possible. We needed a defense system uh, to either fight or flee. So that, <laughs> anyway, with that context, I think we can move anywhere. <laughs> but you brought up one point, which I thought was interesting. I never really thought about it this way, but um, you look at the, the food, the uh, evolutionary or the species of life, and every organism has a potential of being gobbled up by one above it, right? Yep. So unless you have a defense to look at humans, we've had to make a truce with bacteria. In other words, we have a whole gut full of these bacteria. So the bacteria on the inside of our gut, we're on the outside. So we have that barrier that you talked about. And we all know there's an endless battle between humans and bacteria. I mean, TB is rampant again. Antibiotics are losing their effectiveness. And so we have an uneasy truce with the bacteria that live right inside of us. Right. right? Yeah. It's the same idea, correct? The same idea. So, so the bacteria that, you know, colonizes our entire body and call, you know, uh, all of our sort of epithelium from our skin to our gut, to our respiratory tract, 
you know, we, we, we have a bacteria that we sort of live with symbiotically and right. they actually can promote our health as well. Um, you know, the concept of probiotics uh, uh, in the gut and uh, the ability for those to actually promote health under the right circumstances versus other pathogens that are more likely to uh, attack us like, you know, a, a virus like COVID-19. And that's a, that's a whole different ball game. So um, we do live uh, symbiotically with a lot of different uh, uh, life forms. And we have to also include in that, that our DNA is packed with viral DNA that we required over time, you know? And so um, we're literally, we have, you know, components of, of virus in us. We live symbiotically with bacteria and then even wilder, um, you know, in this, this kind of evolutionary concept is what we have to realize is for basically, you know, uh, uh, two to three billion years, perhaps, uh, the, the earth didn't have much oxygen on it. And when bacteria learned to do photosynthesis, they populated the world with oxygen. Oxygen was a toxin to the majority of life on earth at that point. And so what happened with us is um, there were bacteria that ended up figuring out how to neutralize the oxygen so they could survive, you know, towards the surface of the earth. Um, and uh, at some point, uh, we engulfed one of those bacteria, and I say we, meaning an archaea cell, engulfed one of those bacteria, and that bacteria became our mitochondria. Um, so we literally have endosymbiosis, our mitochondria have their own DNA structure. Um, and so we are part, you know, archaea, we're part viral, we're part bacteria. And then the next big leap in life was actually, you know, once, once uh, mitochondria sort of uh, figured out the detoxic detoxic detoxification of oxygen wildly, which is so essential for our, our current life form, they also had this great benefit that in detoxing oxygen, but by going through oxidative phosphorylation, they were able to produce so much more energy through oxidative phosphorylation than you can get through, you know, back, traditional bacterial metabolism of glycolysis, like 18 fold more energy through that process that allowed life to change substantially, not only grow and multiply, but become multicellular. So we are, we are very much um, a part of this uh, soup of our planet. Um, we, we see ourselves as this really unique, um, you know, kind of impressive uh, life form uh, as, as sort of being separate from, uh, you know, from the, uh, from the environment and the other life forms. But we, we, came, we came from very simple life forms and, our, and all of those mechanics of all those different uh, stages of evolution are still present within us. And it has a, and then it has this direct uh, connection to, you know, illness and disease versus wellness and health uh, when we so, when we pull the thread. So let me call, clarify a couple of things. First of all, um, Dr. talked about this each cell. There's only like 30 trillion cells in the human body. But what organelles are are the structures within each cell, each one cell 
that allows the cell to function. There's the nucleus, which has DNA. The mitochondria are little engines that create energy. There's called Golgi apparatus that are transport mechanisms. So there's lots of each one cell is really complicated life form in and of itself. And as the cell started to communicate, they developed more and more complex communication systems, including the nervous system, which came later, by the way, which is interesting. And so let's jump clear to the present for a second, DR. So yeah. the bottom line is we evolved out of a really hostile environment. We learned to coexist with it. We learned to develop defense mechanisms. What would it, what discuss the role of the immune system, both as far as defending us, but also as far as hurting us, and also being the common basis for chronic disease? Yeah. Um, let, let me, uh, let me just preface this real quickly. I think the uh, immune system, as we call it, uh, we always have to keep in mind that it's part of one big system. Um, so it doesn't actually stand alone. Immunity is not the sole um, sort of um, thing the immune system does, nor does all immunity exist within the immune system. Um, but in, in general, what happens when when there's when there's a threat or there's danger um, in, in the environment uh, is that um, let's take for example let's go bottom up okay let's let's say we got bit by a tiger and that tiger is going to puncture our skin epithelial tissue puncture our fascia probably puncture endothelial tissue of the blood vessels maybe even get down to the level of the periosteum and the bone. And, and essentially the, the minute that the, the tissues in the body sense this danger and they have signals for this, um, they immediately um, start throwing out chemicals that activate our more traditional kind of immune system. And so, um, the, a lot of the chemicals are in, inflammatory in nature and that draws and they, and they draw the immune cells, the white blood cells to the area of injury to cl clean up the bacteria, uh, clean up the wound. And then our immune system, in addition to, uh, you know, sort of um, killing uh, invaders and mopping up afterwards, our immune system then will switch its physiology to actively participate in regeneration and healing. Um, and so we, we tend to get locked in in medicine that the immune system, number one, the immune system and the inflammatory system are the same thing. They're not, but they are connected. And the other thing that we get um, really focused on is on that piece of, of uh, defense and kick ass and destroy something. And we forget, because that's immunity technically, we forget that those same cells convert their physiology or convert their phenotype once the danger has gone away and they actually are part of the healing response to repair the tissues. Um, so um, uh, in, in, a, in an acute defense mode, you know, we're going to throw out uh, a lot of chemical signalers to tell the bodies we've been traumatized. It's going to activate the entire system, including the neurologic system and the endocrine system and the immune system uh, to kind of get on board with this idea. First, we got to go, you know, kind of kick some, kick some butt here and, and get this invader out of the body 
uh, and then and then we got to mop up and then we got to repair. So it's a pretty active process, and we're going to talk about more in the second podcast. But in general, that active, very active intervention is also stimulated by any threat, whether it's a mental threat or a physical threat. In other words, perceived threat, real threat, all get processed the same way. And you and I have discussed this in some detail. This is what I call the curse of consciousness, is that you can't escape your consciousness. You're, on, you're constantly exposed to mental threats that you can't escape. There's also other threats we'll define in the second half. But the bottom line is I want to just lay out the immune system in terms of um, just how it keeps us alive. I mean, how does the immune system and inflammatory response keep us alive every day? Because I'm assuming that we have cancer cells in our body every day. We have foreign bodies in our bloodstream every day. And the immune system systematically kicks those, you know, picks those off, correct? Right, right. That's kind of part of the surveillance uh, piece of what's going on. So, you know, we have... Uh, immune cells um, uh, around the um, areas of our body where we're most likely to be, you know, invaded. Um, and so they are kind of harbored there. And then, you know, we have other immune cells that are harbored in, you know, in lymph nodes and the spleen and in the bone marrow and stuff. And so if there is an invader, if there's sort of a breach of the perimeter, and then there's a, a you know, intercellular signaling there's intravascular signaling, and then there is the neural network that also does signaling. So you have multiple systems. There's you know redundancy basically built in to make sure that the entire system gets the signal that there's threat, danger, injury, trauma, and act and activates the whole thing. And 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 so the initial phase, which you know people call innate immunity, but the initial phase of sort of this. Uh, immune response is highly inflammatory. It demands a ton of resources in, in terms of energy. Um, and, uh, and so it can't be sustained too long because there's, when you have inflammation, you have collateral damage. You know, some of our own cells get caught up in that. And when you have prolonged metabolic demand, uh, that's not uh, uh, typically a, a long-term sustainable strategy. And so that phase of immunity goes by you know pretty rapidly it, it needs to be shut off to get us back to where we're not actually sort of destroying ourselves um while we're trying to you know uh, defeat a, a a pathogen um so that which what, what you pointed out this has implications in terms of top-down threat is that there is an economy to uh, our design and, and we didn't get a different um, defense response much different defense response from a social or emotional injury. Um, we, you know, kind of co-opted the same defense response for a physical injury. And so one of the problems is sometimes it's relatively easy to defeat a physical attack, um, but uh, functionally uh, the way we operate, sometimes we, we don't do a very good job of defeating our sort of uh, spiritual, social, emotional attacks um, and so they, they percolate on uh, chronically, and now you've got this um, chronically activated threat response or defense response um, from the top down, not from a tiger bite, but from your um, social circumstances and from, you know, your um, uh, emotional um, uh, kind of um, soup that gets created when you are not feeling safe in the world. 
even though there's no direct physical um, threat there, um, the same system is getting activated. So, and that's okay. I mean, we, we also get, have, you know, we have uh, sort of those spiritual traumas in, in life. They occur. Uh, what's more challenging is how do we get to safety, um, you know, from that point? It's kind of easy to understand the tiger. If we get away from the tiger, we're going to be okay. If we live in poverty, in isolation, in discrimination, in a culture of injustice, you know, how do we get away from that? How do we turn this this threat response off that's keeping us inflamed? The same chemicals that cause the inflammation also activate the nociceptive pathways and, and, and amplify pain signaling. Um, and they also start to break down tissue. So we become more degenerative um, uh, when we're under chronic threat. So I think, you know, that that is the big, the you know, kind of the big challenge is, uh, when people say acute pain and chronic pain are different, um, what we're finding, you know, based on Vanya Apkarian's um, functional MRIs, is that in fact chronic pain is represented in the brain and the emotional centers, not in the traditional sort of somatosensory centers of the brain, and that that tells us a lot that you know that as I always say, you know, we're we're kind of off target in how we approach chronic pain. Uh, because we, we keep trying to use um, physical or structural modalities to cure something that's living uh, in uh, a non-structural world. Right. So like this, um, that went by fast, you know, we, have, we covered 1,000th of what we could cover here, but I just want to summarize what we're saying here is that the bottom line is that the human organism, again, is always developing a truce with the surroundings, whether it's bacteria, other humans, animals, predators. So Unless a given organism has some defensive mechanism, it just doesn't survive into the next generation. So you have to be able to survive, and then you have to be able to procreate and move forward. And so you have a, a condition in your body under threat, where you're fired up and trying to defend yourself. Then you need a condition of safety, where you can regenerate to have the energy to defend yourself when you can do that. And we also know that mental threats and physical threats are perceived pretty much the same way by the body but it's much harder to escape the mental threats because humans have consciousness that, that my cat does not. So I call it the curse of consciousness. And that's what we'll talk about more in the next episode. Um, do you have any final thoughts um, to the, I also will point out that this is a part where DR's taught me a lot where you're right down to the one cell bacteria, bacteria that doesn't even have a nucleus. And they actually became part of our next generation of the mitochondria of the cells. Um, it's a logical sequence. It's remarkable. And it has to be precise because the organisms that develop imprecise connections and evolution just didn't survive. Right. Right. So, I mean, billions of years makes a difference as far as what survives versus not. Um, any other thoughts, DR? Well, the one thing that you mentioned, I think is really important to point out because, you know, it's, it's something that I didn't contemplate that much is this idea of, of removing threat. Um, and and getting to safety, uh, you know, I for a long time was just running through this scenario in my brain of well, if you can just remove the threat, everybody's going to be okay. But um, Bob Navio, Robert Navio, has pointed out to us that in fact, to truly heal and and to get to health and wellness, it isn't just about removing threat; it's actually getting people to safety uh, and and so that they're truly safe 
right. seen, fully seen and secure in the world. And then they can find, you know, real uh, health and wellness. But, but you can't just stop at removing the threats. And there can be a ton of threats, obviously. Right. But that, and so that's really fascinating to me. And he's actually pointed this out with mitochondria. That this is how mitochondria uh, actually behave uh, is that with mitochondria, until they switch to sort of a safety physiology or phenotype, uh, we don't heal. And so there's, there's, you know, those two concepts of, you know, threat and safety, but not just eliminating threat. How do we actually make this organism, a human being safe in the world, I think uh, is super important. Right. No, I agree. hundred percent. So um, again, thank you, Dr. Dr. Is you know I didn't actually totally introduce her. He's a rehab physician in Seattle. He uh, has been uh, mostly spinal cord trauma and stroke over the years. Now come more into the chronic disease mode, and he's just had a remarkable ability to actually put together a college biochemistry, medical school concepts, current research, and we really are enjoying what Dr. is teaching us. So Dr. Thank you. Good to be here. Thanks, you guys. I'd like to thank our guest. Dr. David Clawson, for being on the show today and for giving us the evolutionary perspective on the body's defense systems and its response to threat. I'm your host, Tom Masters, reminding you to be back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio. And in the meantime, be sure to visit the website at thedocjourney.com. Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.